0: Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 65 and we're discussing our anime origin stories, how we got into anime. I don't think there will be any spoilers, so you don't have to be warned. I always get tripped up whenever we have a a different type of topic where there's probably not going to be any spoilers or maybe there's going to be, you know, like semi-light spoilers Cause it's like muscle memory for me to say the same opening lines, and here I just feel like we're probably not gonna have spoilers, right?
1: Well, we're gonna spoil our our entire lives. <laughs> if that counts. Are we? <laughs> but no, I don't think I'll. We'll discuss anything that really delves into spoiler territory for like the shows that we use his examples for
0: and honestly if there are spoilers these shows have been around for like 15 20 plus years so you know what it's been long enough you've had a long enough opportunity to watch these shows and i say that but you know like we just watched death note recently after 15 years and we're just now watching hunter hunter so Mm. even we're kind of late in the game with some of these shows Um, but speaking of of anime In general, I feel like 2021 is wrapping up on such a high note with anime, especially after the lackluster season that we had for summer.
1: Yeah, fall has been holding steady um, since it had to pick up the pieces from summer. And now we're entering the thick of winter. And I forgot completely that Demon Slayer, Attack on Titan, they'll be spearheading that whole season um, obviously, we we just completed Stone Ocean for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, but you can catch those episodes uh, for the episode reviews on Strictly JoJo. But yeah,
0: yes, yeah. As a reminder, any JoJo fans out there, anyone watching JoJo Part Six, Stone Ocean, over at our other podcast, Strictly JoJo, we have already kicked off our Stone Ocean review series, reviewing the very first episode. You know, as of today's recording. Um, and we're going to be doing that weekly every single Monday. So join us over there. But yeah, in terms of the hype for like the hype leading up to 2022 is pretty insane because I thought it was going to be, you know, fall's a pretty strong season. And then we start 2022, like hitting the ground running, but you're right. Like I also forgot that we're getting a late premiere of stone ocean we're getting a late premiere of Demon Slayer and those are already two banger anime. So it's kind of like the 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 start of this hype season has already begun and it's it's been fantastic. We watched the first episode of Demon Slayer and didn't realize it was like a double episode, pleasantly surprised, but I thought it was a strong start.
1: Yeah, especially because of the like the emotional baggage that came with the Mugen Train movie or the Mugen Train arc if you watched the seven episode run of that um but yeah it it brought me back to like why i love or we both love demon slayer so much is the balance of the drama the humor there was a lot of crying in this first i guess season or like the season premiere um <laughs> which is kind of kind of odd but then again it went back into the things that make demon slayer so fun to watch
0: it was kind of weird because it's it's been a bit since we've had a demon slayer season, and when like I don't know like the eye catches when those came up and just that like swing noise that happens as that bar goes across the screen like and then the,
1: you that ex- swords
0: yeah like, like a sword slicing or whatever like I was just like oh shit that's right the eye catches like they have this in here um or the post credit scene which is their kind of like little skit thing that they do with the they are not really chibis but they're kind of drawn like somewhat chibi-ish i'm like i forgot they did this fucking shit because we haven't had a season in a little bit so it's just uh it's nice to come back to that but what are you most excited for for 2022 besides attack on titan i'm gonna put that out there besides attack on <laughs> titan what are you most hyped for so far
1: that was it oh that, it was just that's a technical the only t- anime that you're looking forward to <laughs> well, when's that that spy family one coming out is that winter or is that like later in the year i
0: thought it was earlier in the year hold up let's check mail oh i've got x-arm open on mail um we had that open because we were talking about that on our pre-show <laughs> um let's see here spy family i don't think think a time frame's been announced actually so yeah sometime in 2022 but that one does look really good
1: yeah um it just looks like mr and mrs smith vibes mr Um, and
0: mrs smith the anime yeah
1: (laughs) and you know i i feel like my tastes are more inclined towards anime that kind of have um like the west western audience in mind um and this one i think is right up my alley um, and I know there's like a, a Yakuza one that's also coming out too. Is it the just...
0: babysitting one? Yeah. That one looks good. I hope it's it kind of pans out the way that we hoped we have the house husband would.
1: Hopefully a lot better, at least in terms of animation quality. Um, are there certain things you're looking forward to in 2022?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of them. So besides Attack on Titan, actually I'm looking at Mal, side note, they list Demon Slayer, the, like the post-Mugen Train, season as a winter 2022 anime but they list jojo as a fall 2021 anime and they premiered like four days apart so i don't understand what the like what the the cutoff date is for whether something's considered fall or winter but um yeah demon slayer i guess is technically on here for 2022 um takagi-san i'm excited for shield hero i'm excited for rent a girlfriend i'm excited for um, my Dress Up Darling looks really fucking good. I think Cloverworks is working on that one. It's the one about like uh, a doll costume maker does cosplay costumes for some chick who's got long nails. Oh, so,
1: I remember we watched like the preview for it. Yeah. The
0: animation looks phenomenal. So I'm excited about those. Um, and I think soon we'll be posting our uh, winter 2022 watch list on our Instagram and Twitter pages. Um, So if you haven't ventured over there, Instagram is at the Strictly Series and Twitter is at Strictly Series every season, Um, usually about the week before a season premieres, we'll post our watch list on there and ask for recommendations. So if there's any other things that we haven't, uh, you know, considered watching for that season, please let us know. All right, let's transition into today's discussion And this is kind of like a companion episode or like a continuation of episode 63 which was titled Is it finally cool to like anime? Being an anime fan then versus now. Um, In that episode, as the title suggests, we compared the struggles of being an anime fan back before anime started to become more mainstream um, to today where anime is accessible and more socially acceptable And I thought it was a really fun discussion. So if you haven't tuned into episode 63, definitely go do that after listening to this episode because I feel like these two discussions complement each other really well. And in episode 63, we did very briefly touch on how we discovered anime, but we felt it was worth having a separate discussion for our anime origin story. So you may hear like a little overlap from that episode, but yeah, that stuff was very high level and we'll get into the the nitty gritty here in this episode. So, anime. How did you get into anime? What what was the thing that happened? What was the gateway anime? How did you discover it? You know, like, what did your friends think? You know, tell, tell me the story, man. T- tell me the story. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me like, what the fuck? I had a little bit of sugar before this. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking coffee right now, and I'm not as pent up as you. Okay? It's been a
0: long day, okay? it long it's been it's been a day. So, if I'm a little uh, if I'm a little slap happy, you know, just it it's all good. It's all good. But yes, your story. Please share.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, you sound like a interrogation and like good cop <laughs> and a good cop bad cop situation. Um my origin story. I think mine is kind of different from a lot of typical anime fans out there because I didn't really start off as an anime fan when I was younger um I think though like many people who started to get into anime uh, my gateway if you could consider it a gateway is Pokemon would you consider that a gateway
0: it depends so in, and this is just the way I see a gateway a gateway anime is like something that introduces you to anime like the actual concept of what anime is so when you were watching pokemon was it just because it was on tv did you associate it with just a kid's cartoon along with the other stuff that was airing back then or did you actually see it as this is an anime separate from you know the shit on cartoon network or the shit on nickelodeon um like the the western cartoons
1: i feel like after a certain amount of time i knew there was a difference with pokemon compared to like you said, the stuff we watched on Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network, um, most glaring thing was just the way that it was animated, and you know I think alongside watching Pokemon, I I explained in the previous or in episode sixty three, I would usually try to catch episodes in the mornings if I woke up early enough, um, but it was that alongside the the trading card game because you know like Pokemon blew up in the 90s and was like this whole global phenomenon and i my sister and i had gotten into the card collecting game Uh, we didn't really play any of the actual tournaments or whatever
0: i don't think anyone really knew how to play them i only knew how to play them because i had the pokemon trading card game on the um, the on Game, Game Boy, Boy yeah. which was so much fun, but it was actually, I mean, for how old I was back then, it was a little bit complex at, at times, but playing that in real life, like, I could never get that shit going.
1: Well, side story, like, for that, um, when my, my my parents got me a Game Boy, I think, as a birthday present or for Christmas or something, and, like, they knew I loved Pokemon, too, and, I, you know, like I think at that time, Pokemon Red and Blue were all the rage, and that's what all the kids were playing. That's what all the cool kids have. (laughs) But I think, you know, my parents, they they immigrated from the Philippines, so they weren't familiar with, like, the cultural nuances of video games and pop culture in America yet. And so they had bought me Pokemon, but it was the Pokemon trading card game. (laughs) And... Like I was, I was disappointed at first because I knew my friends were playing red and blue, and I wanted to to get in on the fun, but I didn't want to upset my parents because I know like <laughs> they 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 tried right. Um, but I ended up liking the game as well, and I played the shit out of it. Um, I I think I got pretty far into like whatever the the card tournament, like the final. Some of those opponents
0: was. were really hard in the game. Like I mm-hmm. I never finished it just because I was so young and. A lot of the final final you know face-offs battles whatever you want to call them in pokemon trading card game were pretty difficult yeah maybe i was just too small brain to to figure it out but i had a good time too it was a fun game
1: yeah and then eventually i i did get i actually got both copies of of red and blue but i only played blue because it was just my favorite color <laughs> i didn't realize <laughs> like they had two different versions because there, there were only certain pokemon you could catch in each version um And I didn't have a link cable to link up with any of my friends. But...
0: I kind of had a, well, a similar situation. Um, Me, so I have have two younger sisters, but the youngest wasn't as into video games and Pokemon as my middle sister. Um, So my middle sister and I would always get the Pokemon games whenever they came out, but because there were two colors, we each had to pick a color because we we hated sharing shit. Like we never, the three of us never shared anything as kids. We would fight all the time about stuff. So like my parents would be like, okay, we're getting the two different colors. You have to pick which color is yours and you can never touch the other one. I never played, so I played red and she played blue. I've never played blue. She played, um, uh, gold and I played silver I never played gold like I, I've never touched those games before I never turned them on because I was never allowed to because we would get in fights if we touch each other's games so it's kind of nice to have two different colored versions of the same game which are basically the same game with small nuances that are mm-hmm. different um but it also just sucks because i've never played both versions
1: yeah actually I've never played gold version I had silver um
0: let's go play. silver gold <laughs> team rules no it's silver team okay
1: um what was I Oh, going back to the, yeah, we just <laughs> Sorry, digressed tangent. that whole thing, but uh, going back to like the, the tr- like collecting the cards, um, uh, like we went to a local Toys R Us, got the packs and, and like the booster packs or whatever. But I remember at some point I came across a Japanese Pokemon card.
0: Ooh, like you got one of those ones that ended up in a, a US pack?
1: Maybe. I, I have no clue how I got my hands on it, but- you know, like the back of the card, it has the the Pokeball, and then it has the, the reverse. Like it says Pokemon upside, like upwards and upside down. Yeah. But the the one that I was looking at, like, it had it just said Pocket Monsters, and then some um, Japanese writing. And then obviously the the face of the card, it was the similar picture as we see on the American Pokemon cards, but it was written in. Know, what do you call it Kanji, katakana, whatever? Japanese <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> A
0: combination of hiragana, katakana, probably and yeah, and the,
1: and so like that piqued my curiosity because at that time i I thought Pokemon was an American thing. but
0: it, it did it just blow your mind like, holy shit, this is from another country. <laughs> yeah.
1: because <laughs> then I realized like Pokemon, What was a, well, like a conglomeration of the words pocket monsters. (laughs) And I don't know what kind of research I did back in those days because there was really no internet, but I think I had like a Pokemon handbook that I bought from like my school's book fair. Remember book fairs? book (laughs) fairs. The scholastic book fairs for anyone
0: in the, I don't know if they had it outside of the US, but yeah, for anyone who um is of our generation from the u.s scholastic book fairs the, mm-hmm. all you needed was five dollars and you were a fucking king at the scholastic book fair you could buy anything with like three to five bucks and you it was like the most useless shit but you felt so cool because you went back to your desk afterwards and you just put your shit out on the desk and you're like look at all the shit that i got at the scholastic book
1: fair well yeah for me it was that because they had the book fair open during the school day but also it was time to it was uh, timed out with um, like parent-teacher conferences, and I would usually get like straight A's. So, oh, okay. you know, like, <laughs> My parents were like, yo, let's let's go to the book fair. Buy whatever you'd like. And oh, so... you
0: got straight A's? We're going to buy you a 50-cent <laughs> eraser. Congratulations. Well,
1: yeah, like, you know, I picked up books, accessories, school supplies, stuff like that. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I, I picked up a, a Pokemon like handbook, which had like a guide to like the 150 Pokemon. I'm pretty sure I still have this book. Um, somewhere in our in our house but I think like the preface or the beginning chapter of it mentions that Pokemon was um, created in Japan and I think that's where I realized like like this is not western animation this is Japanese animation aka anime and that's that's what blew my mind
0: (laughs) so did you want to watch any other anime after kind of making that connection between pokemon and anime
1: um not really (laughs) so
0: that's another so i I think a gateway and this is purely me it's just my interpretation of what a gateway anime is like a gateway drug is what starts you down that path of wanting to, to like you know try other drugs or like do drugs regularly right it's what starts you with you know becoming a crackhead down the road. So here it's like, how did you end up being a, a full on weeb down the road? Is that you found this anime that one you understood conceptually was an anime, and two made you want to watch other anime? So maybe for you it was like an introductory anime, but maybe not a gateway. Yeah,
1: anime. I would say it was probably just a stepping stone, um, because after that point, to like my I. Started to realize, like some of my cousins um, watched several different anime. I va- I vaguely remember uh, the Animatrix right around Ooh, the time that yeah. like, the Matrix film trilogy was all the rage. Um, that terrified the shit out of me, though. Yeah, like- me too. Literally the
0: only <laughs> thing. I mean, like I generally remember the um, this, the the like substories within the the Animatrix, but the only part that's vividly ingrained in my my memory is the running part where his thighs start exploding
1: oh i remember i just that. could
0: not handle it i was like what the fuck am i watching it was horrific <laughs> but like beautifully animated at the same time and that's the only part that's vivid to me about the animatrix is the fucking thigh <laughs> <laughs> i
1: uh, i think for me it was like the first short where it's going to like the i haven't really watched the matrix um full disclosure so uh,
0: i've never watched the matrix so yeah and i know like (laughs) the
1: matrix was it resurrections is coming out soon and everyone's really hyped for that but i'm not really part of that train (laughs) so anyways uh there was the first short in that and i think they're explaining the history of how the matrix came to be and there was like a war between the humans and i don't fucking know robots or androids or whatever and i remember like there were humans that were piloting some mecha robots And then the enemy, whatever they were, like, they would open the cockpit, and I remember there was one, um, like, pilot in there, and it was screaming his ass off, and the enemy, like, goes in, grabs him, and pulls him out, just leaving his limbs still inside, like, the the mecca or whatever. Oh, shit. And, yeah, I was, like, a... Or nine when I was <laughs> watching this. So that like turned me off. I was like, Is this what anime really is? <laughs> like um, way to
0: go from zero to hundred. <laughs> Pokemon to Animatrix.
1: Yeah. And another thing, um, my cousins like they also watch like they watch Sailor Moon and stuff. I wasn't really into that because that was more of like a uh Like a like little girls fem- kind of yeah, thing at yeah. the time. Um but <laughs> I do remember there was like another Bloody gory '90s anime movie that we ended up watching. I'm pretty sure it was Angel Cop.
0: Angel Cop? I don't know yeah, what that is. Let me look this Again, up.
1: My memory of it of that is so vague, and I think it's because I'm I was suppressing it so much because of how insanely bloody it was. There um, is
0: an yeah, there's an OVA Angel Cop that aired 1989 to '94. And we all know 90s anime was very graphic, Yeah, very graphic, like beautifully done animation. Like nothing today can, can capture the magic that 90s anime had. That's why you see all these like 90s anime aesthetic accounts on Twitter and, mm-hmm. and Instagram and stuff. But yeah, man, the gore was just like... So so horrible, but so amazingly done that you couldn't look away. And this this looks like it it probably was what you were watching back then. Just looking at these pictures.
1: Yeah. So yeah, imagine going from a, a safe anime like Pokemon, and then just getting thrown into like a like rated R <laughs> <laughs> material. And I think that that was part of what kind of detracted me from anime's just like the extremes of each
0: <laughs> so that turned you off but then what what would be the the gateway then what made you turn back on to anime and want to like continue exploring the medium
1: yeah I, there's a there's a lot of stuff in between but we'll I'll probably discuss that oh am i jumping ahead point. okay no that's fine <laughs> but <laughs> um i mean i just the high level it was right around college when i really got back into it And that's a lot of credit to you oh well thank uh, you <laughs> because, yeah once we we met each other at college and got to know each other and eventually started dating you introduced me to a lot of the anime that i've come to come to love now Um, i don't remember exactly which one we had watched first but the most vivid memory i have is of us watching attack on titan
0: oh yeah
1: and i explained this again in our other um episode but i was just so fascinated like i know like me in the as a child i was turned off by blood and gore but fast forward to like the age of college um i think i had grown (laughs) desensitized to it um partially because you were also watching The Walking Dead a lot at that time, but I was just so enamored by like the visuals, obviously which studio being the animators for Attack on Titan at that time did a fantastic job with how they animated the characters and the environments and all the action, as well as just the, the, the lore of it. Um, and I kind of made the, the connection that it reminded me of the lore of Harry Potter and, and how deeply the world was, like, how much exposition we were thrown. Um,
0: I, I wouldn't know that connection because I've only <laughs> seen, like, two Harry Potter
1: movies. But um, I think that's where I was like, you know what? There's an in-between with anime. Like, it, it's... It's not as, so extreme. You're right, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't always ha- have to have, like, the, the kids, kids-y shit or, like, the extremely gory shit, but there's a nice balance in between that you can enjoy. Although,
0: to be fair, Attack on Titan can get pretty gory.
1: It can, but I don't think to the level of Angel Cop. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and that's not really spoilers or anything, but I think Attack on Titan first season, was it first or second, Um, has one of the most unsettling moments i have ever witnessed in anime and that is when the female titan is swinging that one scout like a like a i don't even know like something on a string like just like a
1: yo-yo or yeah something. like a yo-yo
0: just like swinging him in a circle like with extreme g forces and then just smacks him right into the ground. Like just like you do that as a kid, right? You grab something and you got a, like a heavy thing on the end, like a bead or something. And you're swinging the rope around on, on your one side. That's what that's what they were doing to this person. And it was just I I think the animation was pretty um pretty intense, but just the the thought of it and being that scout would be like absolutely horrific. So I think mm-hmm. to me Attack on Titan can certainly have its moments of of gore and unsettlingness
1: but as a college student, I loved it <laughs> yeah you're like, holy shit this is great Okay <laughs> yeah, if you were at nine or ten, you probably wouldn't although I'm sure there are a lot of nine ten year olds now who watch Attack on Titan and just love that as well.
0: Yeah well wait, quick fun fact because you mentioned us meeting in college um, you and I first became friends like we had never really talked to each other and then the second we got to each other officially we had a spongebob quote off while we were drunk for like what felt like an hour and yeah. that solidified our friendship like from that moment on <laughs> we hung out all the time because <laughs> i was like someone else knows spongebob as deeply as i do and we were trying to one-up each other so like literally for i think it had to be probably like 30 45 maybe an hour we were just drunkenly screaming um, not screaming, but uh, <laughs> reciting SpongeBob quotes at each other to see who would eventually run out of them. And yeah,
1: we had a good crowd of friends that were just listening, they to were pretty us impressed,
0: <laughs> either horrified or impressed. One of the two,
1: yeah, good good times. Good um, times. yeah, our love for SpongeBob eventually evolved into our love for Anna. Oh, though you already had like a love for Anna, but that just I was a
0: little closeted though during college, um, but I felt like meeting you and then meeting our friends in our group of friends that we call con fam because we all go to anime conventions together for like years and years and years. Um, I feel like meeting you guys in college is what made me feel comfortable being less of a closeted weeb.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it just opened my eyes to a new world. <laughs> a new world
0: of <laughs> shit that you can't unsee and will change your life forever. <laughs> yeah,
1: Um. so yeah, I I would say Attack on Titan was probably my my gateway anime all things considered Um, and then I think from there we had developed a watch list of other anime that you recommended I I watch and then we watched such classics as Cowboy Bebop and that became like one of my most favorite anime speaking of which I finally finished my umpteenth rewatch of it still a masterpiece I don't care if that's cliche Um, And now I'm moving on to the live action, which is not as, not as extraordinary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would say, yeah, that, that, that was my story of how I got into anime. There's stuff that happened in between my Pokemon phase and my attack on Titan phase, which I can probably touch upon later, but I guess... can move it to you and Uh-oh. hear your origin story i'm
0: in the hot seat okay well as i think most people know inuyasha was my gateway anime like my true gateway anime like i similar to you similar to a lot of people in our generation i had always watched pokemon card captor oh sailor moon hamtaro um, the usual shit growing up but i truly discovered anime when i was watching adult swim and came across inuyasha like just completely by accident because i i had never really watched adult swim i didn't know what it was i was just watching cartoon network and then like it, it transitioned i think into adult swim or maybe i turned the tv on late at night expecting to have cartoon network because i i was one of the lucky kids who had a tv in their room one of those like really small tube tvs with like a vhs at the, bottom so, like, the, the way to go yeah so i could at least record my my shows i couldn't watch overnight um but yeah, so I, I think I may have just like turned it on expecting to see Cartoon Network. It was Adult Swim instead. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then it happened to be the one episode in Inuyasha. And I re- I remember this specifically. Like this was the moment the weeb switch flipped on for me and my life changed forever. <laughs> but the episode was um, the one where the witch brings back Kikyo from the dead. That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to spoil it too much spoiler no it's literally like one of the first episodes like it's the whole concept (laughs) around kikio so it's it's really not spoilers and again if you haven't seen inuyasha go watch it and also you've had a long time to watch it it's what people said to us about death note they're like you had 15 years to watch death note if you get spoiled too bad at this point um but i thought it was so cool to see an animated show that was super dark and had blood and mature themes. I mean, she comes out fucking butt naked. Like there's no nipples or anything, but she comes out butt naked, I think. I think it's been a while. Um, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like I did I had no no understanding that cartoons could have mature themes in them. Like even though I'm sure before like anime was on adults, I'm sure there are other you know cartoons out there, like Western cartoons that, that have more adult themes. That just never crossed my mind because I'd never gotten exposure to them. And I was like, what is this? Um, it was just my first time seeing something more mature, less kid-like, like a less kid-like version of the anime art style, which I had become familiar with through Pokemon, Captor, Yu-Gi-Oh!, etc. But I didn't actually know that it was called anime. I just thought it was a, sp- a very specific way that cartoons were drawn, but I was hooked immediately. I don't know what what drew me in. I think maybe it just was the the darker theme, just seeing something completely different than I had ever seen before. And because I didn't know the term anime, I called them fantasy cartoons until I figured it out through some Google research. Um, and then like you know that kind of like opened up my world to you know I, I, f- I discovered the term anime, and I was like I need to learn more about this. What is this all about? And thank God for Google. Thank God for like the birth of the internet. Google.
1: Being... <laughs> yeah. Well, before it Google, like it was like Yahoo. In its prenatal stages. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: probably wasn't even Google Yeah. it was search... Ask Jeeves. Yeah, Ask Jeeves. <laughs> like whatever search engine was there at the time. We were... we were growing up right at the birth of the internet as it became, as it accelerated. And it was just both crazy and frustrating because we were able to access information that we could never access before. But it was fr- frustrating because there was not nearly the type of accessible information that there is now because, obviously, over time, information curates on the internet.
1: And just remembering how websites used to look, like the pages. Oh, my God, yeah. Almost like clip bar. I don't even know if clip bar, word art, if that's still Remember a Flash thing.
0: Player? Didn't they, like, stop it, making Flash Player? Yeah. No, it's, like, obsolete. Like, yeah. Flash Player was everything. Like, R.I.P. You I were P. The, the hottest shit if you... Had Flash Player on your or like Flash whatever on your website, you were like cream of the crop, and now it's completely obsolete. Yeah,
1: now it, it's like looking at a typewriter font, like <laughs> Courier Courier New for any uh, Word Microsoft Word fanatics geek, <laughs> out there.
0: But yeah, even though I had watched again like those those typical anime that we grew up on, like Pokemon, um, I don't remember the finer details of them because one, I was young at the time but mostly because number two it was almost like passive watching like I, I enjoyed pokemon i recorded it every day so that i could watch it first thing in the morning as i was getting ready for school um i love the shit out of card captor to the point where i dabbled in the manga a little bit um oh i mean i had pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards i got in trouble at school many times when they banned trading pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh Whoa. cards which a lot of schools <laughs> did in the U.S. Cause- which- 'Cause students were were too fixated on, on trading them and almost kind of like it was like a smuggling rink almost at certain points okay. during like the lunch hour. So yeah, our school banned them and I was like, Fuck that, I wanna trade my Pokemon Yu Gi Oh cards.
1: Which I, I I just I wanna like kinda talk about why I, you pretty much explained why Pokemon was banned because of the, the black market. Black market of Pokemon <laughs> But if you cards. think, like we talked about actually playing the card game and you know, we, we played the the Game Boy game, which is essentially the same thing. I feel like there's a lot of educational aspects of playing the Pokemon card game. Um, it's
0: challenging, like a mental challenge at the very least. Right yeah, same there's like also Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah,
1: there's like you have to do math with like the 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 attacks that you do, the combos or whatever, like the energy cards you have to use. So like it always just baffled me why. My Pokemon was banned from schools, well, but it's, I guess thing. it's a gateway to gambling.
0: I think it's 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 because people didn't want to play the game; they just wanted to trade the cards, and then they would mm. kind of you know put pressure on others or have the upper hand because they had a very rare card. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the mentality behind it as kids, like, was probably deemed, uh, you know, immoral or like dangerous or whatever. Like animal cruelty. (laughs) Like I, because I had the Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy, I actually went into it. I brought my binder of Pokemon cards to school with the intent to actually play the trading card game with other people because I had learned about it through the Game Boy game. Nobody else wanted to do that because no one fucking knew how to play it. So then I literally (laughs) would just sit there and be like, "Okay, I guess I'll trade them. I brought them here. I guess I'll trade them." And no one knows how to fucking play i was one of the few that actually wanted to play and then like everyone else ruined it because they didn't know what they were doing
1: shame on our math teachers for not <laughs> discovering the educational power of pokemon i actually have a sorry i interrupted but i have a, like a funny story with um trading pokemon cards because um, i almost got in trouble uh, because almost it, got in trouble yeah. that's the difference well, I, between you and me <laughs> I did
0: get in trouble multiple times and you almost got in trouble. I was that's like the story of our our upbringing I was a
1: goody two-shoes straight-a student yeah, I who was never the opposite. got the trouble. but uh, I remember I was talking about Pokemon cards with one of my friends and he mentioned that he had a war turtle card and I wanted one even though I I never got like the Charizard Blastoise or Venusaur but I, I had the first two evolutions of the, the first uh, three Pokemon uh, or Squirtle, Charmander, Bulbasaur. I didn't have the War Turtle though. And so he agreed to trade um, the War Turtle to me in exchange for Pokemon cards that I drew and colored myself.
0: What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so I spent
1: like the, the next morning, I spent that morning just drawing a couple cards. And, you know, I had references because I had the, my Pokemon cards. And then I gave it to him. And someone tattled on my friend and he ended up getting in trouble instead of me.
0: Okay, wait. Hang on. I have so many <laughs> questions. So first of all, are you telling me that you are literally a bootleg Pokemon card person? <laughs> like yeah. you were you were actually perpetuating the black market of Pokemon cards. Ironically, <laughs> even though the teachers thought that just by us trading actual Pokemon cards was some sort of black market thing.
1: Yeah. Oh I, I should have continued with that trade. I and thought then, my drawings were pretty good
0: and then you gave them to him and he got in trouble yeah and then he got in trouble like why would he get in trouble for why would that make any difference why, why would it make why would he get in trouble for accepting handmade cards No no
1: so, like someone knew that we were trading cards
0: oh he got in trouble just in general for trading cards yeah oh that was because he was accepting handmade ones like, no because fuck?
1: Pokemon card <laughs> trading was banned outright but it was him that got in trouble. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cuz again, I was a good student. And
0: then on top of that, he he traded an actual Pokemon card for Yeah, him. I, mean, I hope- mean, to be fair, you're very good at drawing and, you know, that's that's really nice of him to to support your your skill um but also i hope that was worth <laughs> yeah, i mean i i hope
1: he it was just like one of his extra war yeah can you imagine
0: it was like a char like a shiny charizard or yeah. something and you're just like you're sweating you're like oh my god i hope he doesn't realize how good of a trade <laughs> this is for me
1: <laughs> but yeah that, that i just wanted to share that story well I, yeah
0: side note to the side note Yu-Gi-Oh, because I, I wanted to play pokemon like the actual card game i also wanted to dabble a little bit in the actual Yu-Gi-Oh card game that one is hard as fuck that that sounds weird. Um, that one was difficult. As well. <laughs> like, mm. It was really difficult for me as a kid to understand the Yu-Gi-Oh card game, and I failed many, many times. Wasn't is it
1: basically just one upping your opponent?
0: I don't know, kinda maybe. <laughs> I have <laughs> friends who do know how to yeah. play it, and like very, um, very much in detail, and, and they could probably explain it, but I cannot explain it. No,
1: I didn't really get into Yu-Gi-Oh, but I, I always knew like Blue Eyes White Dragon and yeah uh, overpowered or <laughs> whatever <it> is. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i did have digimon cards too but digimon was like third on my my tier list of like trading card importance um i don't know that, that whole binder is somewhere here in in our house i'll have to find it it's it's buried away because it's precious okay this shit's gonna sell like hotcakes down the road even though we all know that's not the, the no it's <laughs> like
1: it has to be like first edition yeah or whatever
0: <laughs> but yeah so going back to what I was kind of getting at, which is, you know, watching these shows, those OG shows of Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, blah, blah, blah. As a kid, I felt like it was more passive watching. Like I enjoyed them. I followed the story a decent amount, but I wasn't invested in them. So I felt like I, I haven't in general really retained a lot of the details. Like someone will, will want to talk about like the first season of Pokemon with me. And like, I can't really recall a lot. I know a lot of the memes like that, that came out of it that'll mm-hmm. help jog my memory on episodes but unless they start talking first I need something that like will get the ball rolling so I can remember what the fuck happened but when I discovered Inuyasha and everything else that was on Adult Swim and, and Toonami and, and all that I, I felt like I actually was invested in those stories and wanted to follow them and I feel like that was a very big difference between watching the the kid anime which I didn't even realize was an anime Um, versus my discovery of anime and the stuff that I was seeking out because it's I mean when you compare Inuyasha to to Cardcaptor like very different shows um, very different demographics I think just the introduction of um, Seinen and Jose anime made a big difference for me because I've always enjoyed um, more like more programming that's geared towards Uh, mature audiences and when i say mature i'm not talking like porn or anything like that but just you know like adult humor i grew up watching south park and um shit that was on adult swim like i i didn't really watch a lot of the cartoon network shows as often as other kids i actually spent more of my time watching like south park um and shit that was on like spike tv you know like Mm -hmm. i don't know if there were any cartoons on there but like i geared towards comedy central Adult Swim, Spike TV, that kind of stuff, versus a lot of our friends who are geared towards Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network. Um, and what's the other one?
1: There was Toon Disney. Was yeah, 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 Toon or Disney. It which was, I, it's now Disney XD.
0: I never watched Disney growing up. Like, I, I know of stuff, but I, like for some reason, couldn't get into it.
1: Shaolin Showdown. That was, was that on good... Toon Disney? I'm pretty sure that was Toon Disney.
0: That wasn't Four kids? I loved, okay, I did love Shaolin Showdown. <laughs> that one was really good. Code Lyoko was really good, too.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to rewatch those shows now. But no, that that was my jam was Nickelodeon, um, Toon Disney, and Cartoon Network. See,
0: you and I, we, we are so opposite in so many ways, <laughs> like complete opposites. Oh, like, and
1: PBS Kids. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I
0: never watched anything on PBS Kids. Like I refused to watch PBS Kids. Wow. I know, and you love Arthur. But yeah, like that's that's the stuff I gravitated towards. Like I didn't want to watch kid shit. I wanted to watch, like I don't know, just more adult humor type of shows whether they were cartoons or live action shows so when I discovered the Seinen and Jose anime on Adult Swim I was like yes finally there's something really cool like animated shows that are not supposed to be for my current age bracket but um, in an age bracket um, where I find it to be more interesting more compelling with stories that are very very complex um, you know mature Themes like blood and gore and violence and just really well done animation. And I know I mentioned this on um, episode 63, but I do want to touch on it again. I truly do feel like Adult Swim was the godsend to anime fans back then. Um... Uh, our our generation grew up on like our generation of anime fans rather grew up on everything from Adult Swim Tsunami, and Four Kids TV and I pulled up a list I think you have it on on your end too I pulled up a list of everything that was premiering right around the time that I got introduced to you know Yasha and that premiered in 2002 so if we look at that time frame of like late 2001 to like maybe 2004 or 5, I'm just going to run through these and, and just just listen to the bangers that were out there. Cowboy Bebop, mm. Yu Yu Hakusho, Tenshi mm. um, Tenchi Muyo, Mobile Suit Gundam, of course, Inuyasha, mm. Lupin the 3rd, Trigun, The Big O, FLCL, Blue Gender, Wolf's Reign, Case Closed, Full Metal Alchemist, even though I never watched that, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, which Mm. I know you really liked, Samurai Champloo, Paranoia Mm. Agent, I mean, even Evangelion was on around that time. And I think a lot of people classify the early 2000s as the golden age of anime, and I I completely agree with that. I think that'll probably be a future topic on this podcast, because I'd love to dive into that more, but... I mean, to be blessed with growing up and being introduced to anime during the golden age of anime, I, I can't think of any other way to become a weeb. Like, I just, it, we were so lucky to have what we had at that time.
1: And I remember, like, again, I, between my childhood and college, I didn't really get into anime, but I do remember, um, catching glimpses of Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell, um when i was watching tv late at night um so yeah like i i i knew i was part of something in that sense but i didn't realize the potential of it
0: but the the thing that kind of sucked about that time and it's nothing you know that we really had any control over it was that the because the internet was just starting to really get rolling we didn't have access to an anime community like we do now. And I want to, I'm I'm mentioning that now, but let's talk about that a little bit more towards the end because I think that made a big impact on my growth from like a little otaku to like a full-on weeb. Um, But that, I mean, can you imagine having Reddit and having Twitter right now like, like we do like right now, then, but yeah, back yeah. then during the golden age of anime. I mean, can you imagine the discourse that would have been happening? The the threads, you know, analyzing every single episode of these absolute banger anime during that time frame. It would have been, it would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anime community would have been like way more connected or at least faster connected than, than it, you know, it was at that time. Just being able to to talk about those shows together. It would have been awesome.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're kind of playing catch up now, and I only say that because during my Cowboy Bebop rewatch, um, I would venture onto Reddit, and they have like episode discussions of the Cowboy Bebop episodes. But it's been like a like an annual rewatch, so people will just chime in every now and then, and I think that's where people are finally sharing their their thoughts on the series um, because we didn't have that platform back in, during the golden yeah, age yeah they
0: didn't get to talk about it back then um so they, they want to talk about it now although i have seen this multiple times when someone posts on i don't know like the r anime subreddit and, and they say you know i'm about to start this series you know um or sh- should i watch you know xyz series like should i watch death note or should i watch Haku show and people will be like yes watch that show it's it's phenomenal and and there's always that one comment that says I am so jealous of you because I would love to relive the moment that I got to watch that series for the first time. Because once you've mm-hmm. watched it once, and you know what's going to happen. Your rewatches are great, but they're never going to feel quite as hype as the first time you watch that show. And I, I relate to that. Like when you When I introduced you to Cowboy Bebop, I was like, I'm so jealous of you because you get to experience this. For the very first time and in a more mature f- um, frame of mind than I got to. Mm-hmm. And like, it's great to rewatch it and like, you know, know what's coming up and just kind of like wait for your reactions to, to certain key plot points. But man, I just wish that I could wipe my memory and then rewatch Bebop like fresh brained like I did when I was a kid, because that's a fun experience to go through. Yeah. So, uh, kind of related to that topic, I wanna ask this question why does anime feel different or hit different than other animated series or just other series in general? Like how did anime make you feel compared to Western cartoons? Like why does it hit different than the Western cartoons on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or again even like the more adult cartoons on Adult Swim or Comedy Central?
1: I think this, my response to this is, going to be coupled with what kind of turned me off from anime before um but i think me growing up i just wanted my fill of just slapstick or toilet humor um and that's i feel like that's a lot more prevalent obviously in like american cartoons like spongebob the fairly odd parents um even regular show now um or not now because the series is over sad Uh, r.i.p yeah and I think like that's probably the the biggest difference between Western animation and anime. Whereas anime, you have a lot of these coming of age stories um, or stories that deal with deeper themes, Um, which is weird because I know anime is usually geared towards yeah like, like the adolescent stage when, when kids are starting to become adults and, Like finding their place in the world,
0: shounen, shoujo demographic,
1: right? And it's it's what because like anime encourages that demographic, um, to you know chase their dreams and be positive people. And then you have a show like SpongeBob where (laughs) it's chasing a maniac around the city, (laughs) and who's in the mailbox,
0: the maniac's in the
1: mailbox, (laughs) and you know, like like obviously that that's a great thing um, to have in anime because you have all of these terrific stories that come from these premises um, but <laughs> thinking back to like 10, 11 year old me again I just wanted my fix of humor um, now that I've, I've become a mature adult I think I'm kind of past that point and want stories that are actually engaging and make you really think um, but I think that's kind of part of the reason why I didn't really trend towards anime when I was younger. Um, it's because of the these very lofty stories. I mean, I, I remember walking into like a Walden Books and Borders uh, back when those were still Walden businesses. Books, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> Walden Books, like the local one at the mall, or Borders before Barnes and Noble and Amazon destroyed it. <laughs> because I, I, you know, after watching like glimpses of stuff on Toonami I, I, it did pique my interest like trying to get into certain anime things um, but I was I just remember feeling overwhelmed by just the variety of anime out there and just trying to commit the time and effort to a specific series and I remember I picked up like a couple DVDs of Bleach and I just couldn't get into it um, I think because it, it was such a lofty story rather than me just watching a random episode of Fairly Odd Parents just to get my fill.
0: See, again, you and I are total opposites because I gravitated towards that stuff. I wanted to watch more adult shows. I wanted to watch something that had complex stories with very deep characters. Um, even though I was super young at the time and I probably wouldn't retain a lot of it or understand a lot of it, I found it very, very interesting. So for me, anime hits different because the stories are more compelling a lot of the time nowadays there's a lot of western cartoons that i think are are very very good and have a lot of depth to them um we had less of that when we were growing up so yeah it was just nice to, to finally have that plus the visuals are both like very grand very cool and very cute at the same time just depending on the show that you're watching mm-hmm. and I don't know, it just, there's so much more variety to anime than there is for, for Western cartoons, at least back in that day. So for me, like, it it was just so much different. It was a different way of storytelling than something like a SpongeBob, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, there's still anime out there, which are Adventure of the Week, Villain of the Week. um, But more often than not, they have that overarching story. Like, I've told you before, and I've probably mentioned on this podcast, that I can watch a villain or adventure of the week type of anime, but I will not be nearly as invested in it if there's no overarching story. Like, even if it's villain of the week format, as long as there's an overarching story kind of Kind of guiding us to the end goal then i can get invested in it i have a really hard time connecting with the show if there is no end goal because i'm like i'm enjoying this but really what are we working towards i can enjoy this out of it but if there's <laughs> nothing we're working towards for some reason it just kind of turns my brain off a little bit and that's western cartoons at least when we were growing up there's nothing that you're working
1: towards imagine if spongebob had an overarching goal we would have
0: been <laughs> done with it seasons ago after season well, four spongebob <laughs> should have ended technically
1: the first movie that's like the the pure ending of spongebob i but know
0: but nickelodeon saw a cash grab and they yeah. went for it and they're still milking that shit oh poor spongebob
1: but no we, we, like you said we don't get that in western animation um really quick i want to comment uh, since you talked about animation I think that's what I, I start to appreciate more with anime is that you've got such elaborate and varied styles of anime. Um, like, obvi- like you have stuff as detailed as JoJo, or you know the Sakuga of shows like Attack on Titan or Jujutsu Kaisen, um, and then you have shit like, like I don't know, <laughs> like a regular show, or um, Steven Universe sorry Steven Universe fans out there but you know I think you know American animation the production of those is like get us out as much as you can so it's very shorthand animation I want to say whereas you appreciate more of the art style of anime or at least I do now because of the amount of effort and work that they put into it not to say that American animation isn't hard work but
0: there's not a grandness to it like mm-hmm. think about bebop and think of the, like remember it, it was made in the 90s and just because you just rewatched it and i recently rewatched it just like the way that they portray flight in space like mm-hmm. just the space scenes alone are so fucking cool like it's it's like movie level quality of like animation and choreography can you think of anything back around that same time frame of the early 2000s for a western cartoon that had nearly that grand of an animation scheme because i can't i can't think of anything granted like i'm not saying i've watched every western cartoon at the time but i can't think of anything off the top of my head
1: i think the closest would probably be like avatar which oh i didn't watch avatar (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was more of like laid into um late into like the animation game during that golden age i say and i
0: wonder if that that's what partly lends to the hype around avatar like i've never watched avatar but i know that the fandom is very very strong and still mm-hmm. going strong and I, I wonder because they started to you know if, if avatar was one of the first to kind of go into that more grand scale animation if that's what drew such a, a you know committed audience similar to what we're experiencing with anime
1: yeah, probably.
0: And it, going back to the 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 storytelling, I think one of the Western cartoons that like I really got invested in that wasn't on you know Adult Swim that wasn't on Comedy Central but was actually geared toward our demographic was Teen Titans, because Teen mm. Titans was dark and Teen Titans blended drama and comedy very very well, um, and it was kind of drawn in a somewhat anime inspired way. Uh, but yeah, there there was it was villain or adventure of the week style but there was an overarching goal although i don't think they technically finished teen titans story i can't remember i
1: i never watched it oh it was so good oh my
0: god like i i was very much like that was probably the one western cartoon i was invested in the most while i was growing up was teen titans but teen titans had all the elements that i was craving that anime was giving to me um and i feel like that's why i mean to this day people who watch teen titans i think feel similarly that Mm-hmm. you know it just it hit different okay and Teen titans it, <laughs> hit different than a lot of the other shit that was on card you know and now
1: you have teen titans go which, which is, is a like downgrade a like, <laughs> yeah.
0: like i get which, it it's still funny but yeah like i've, I've that, seen it it's yeah. it's fine but it's nowhere near like the the, the original teen titans or like mm-hmm. the its predecessor so good holy shit I do also want to mention manga because you brought up fucking Walden books and the Scholastic Book Fair. So, yeah, shortly after discovering anime, some of my friends who were also little weeblets um, or back then, you know, new otaku, because we, we've transitioned, right, from using otaku as, as the term to using weeb as the term. But yeah, back in the day when we were little um, new weeblets, we, I tried getting into to manga because my friends were really into manga. So I read Shonen Jump and a few clamp manga like Cardcaptor Sakura, Tsubasa Chronicles, and I don't know if it's pronounced XXX Holic or Triple X Holic. Um, they're all kind of in the same universe. And I enjoyed the stories, don't get me wrong, but I could not get into reading manga, no matter how hard I tried. But I found that watching the anime adaptations of those same stories was far more enjoyable. Like, I loved watching Card Capture, I w- loved watching Subasa Chronicles. Um, and, and you know me, like, in general, I don't read. Like, I can read. Don't get me wrong. You don't know I, how to
1: read? I, I
0: can read. I just don't read. <laughs> I don't seek out reading as a hobby. I only enjoy reading subtitles in anime and then reading shit on the internet in general. Well, it's the only times I'm like, all right, I don't like reading is fine because, you know, you got to read shit on the internet. But I don't seek out reading books or fanfics back in the day remember fanfics (laughs) holy shit which there's still a thing now but like you know fanfics had a major wave in the early 2000s you just
1: brought back a suppressed memory of i read a harry potter fanfic that was just really sexual
0: i knew that was the word you're gonna say I I had (laughs) when you think fanfic you want to think innocence but no most of the time it's like if you read a fanfic you're you're probably gonna get some like in the yeah it was
1: really raunchy and now I, I wish i didn't think about that but go <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh fanfics um yeah fanfics were the big thing before fan art became more prevalent i feel like fan art nowadays is what we experienced through fanfics back in the day because mm-hmm. now with twitter and shit it's easy to get like the pictures out there um anyway so yes i i don't i don't seek out reading as like a hobby or for enjoyment so i couldn't get into manga to this day Still can't get into manga, which is why we created Strictly Anime, because we don't read manga, we strictly watch anime. There you go, plug in the name. Um, but yeah, I mean, I tried. I-, I tried to to get into that, and it just it wasn't something that worked for me. But did you ever dabble in manga?
1: I have another kind of interesting story Uh-oh. with manga. <laughs> um, I did, actually. Um, as I mentioned, going to Walden Books and picking up a couple DVDs of Bleach, um, I think before that, I had picked up the first two, what do you call them volumes of, of yeah. the Bleach manga? Um, and and then I didn't, I, I think I realized after that, it, it, they had adapted it to anime. And I wasn't familiar at that time with the idea that most manga, if they gain enough popularity and traction, eventually have an anime adaptation. But yeah, first I read maybe the first chapter of the first volume of bleach and obviously like japanese manga like the books that they print now it's they're printed backwards because they want to emulate the same style that they're read in japan and i remember it was just so like confusing as shit how to read the panels like right to left
0: did you read it western style
1: What do you mean, like, Western style? Like, left to right? Like, pages left to right? Or did you know to,
0: like, read it right to left, but you were just trying to train your brain?
1: Well, I think if you were to hold the book, like, the the American way. The American way? It sounds so patriotic. (laughs) But, like, you you flip to the back cover, or, like, that quote-unquote front cover, and it says, hey, you're starting at the wrong place.
0: Yeah, I think after that warning for for the early weebs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so I knew, like, you had to read it from the other end, but... Like, I think the the, the manga panels, like, they're, they're still arranged the way that they are in the Japanese version. So, well, you you'd start have with to the read... upper right panel versus yeah. the upper left panel. Right. So, you'd have to read the right to left and so on and so forth. And I just got so confused. I was like, fuck this. I don't want to read this anymore. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I stumbled upon the Bleach DVDs and, you know, watching the first episode adapt that first chapter was like much easier to follow. Um, so yeah, I didn't really, like after that experience, I really couldn't get into manga. I did pick up, um, I've mentioned a couple times that I watched the Japanese live-action movie called Train Man. Mm-hmm. And I was so fascinated by that story that I found out there was a manga version of it. And so I went and picked up a couple of those uh, volumes. And I <laughs> ran into the same issue where it was just so hard to to read that in that kind of format that i i just dropped it but there is a quote-unquote manga that i did used to read when i was younger and it was called mega tokyo and i only say that it's quote-unquote manga because it's actually manga that was written as a web comic by an american um, comic book artist
0: Oh my brain! Wait, what? <laughs> so it's a it's a web co- like a webtoon it, or web comic?
1: Yeah, it started off as a web comic where this American comic writer would post a page of of this manga like every week or so. Um, I guess similar to how like mangaka release their chapters like every other week or whatever, or is it every week?
0: It depends on the manga, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, so and this one it was it's funny because it was printed in the american format so you had the front cover and you would read left to right and then the back of that cover would say hey i like we know you're reading a manga but this is an american manga so you can read this the proper american way or whatever um and it was just a it was a story about these two americans that end up in tokyo and they can't find their way back to the stage so they just end up picking up jobs or whatever and a lot of anime shit happens in
0: animation yeah, <laughs> happens in
1: that manga which i probably wouldn't have gotten the references because i didn't again i didn't really get into anime or manga at, at that time but i just loved reading that story um but that was the extent of my experience with manga so it again it was like quote-unquote manga experience
0: so we both have like scratched the surface of manga but just couldn't break into it basically mm-hmm.
1: although right now since we had watched saint oni i have been reading the manga for saint oni-san well, that's
0: right you have yeah how does it feel manga reader <laughs> <laughs>
1: well you know now that i am like well versed in the culture of anime and manga it's it's been easier for me to to read that format and you know saint oni I know you said you like stuff with overarching plots. Like, this one is just a nice read. There's there's no overarching plot so with what it.
0: What are we working towards? <laughs> what does Creed say? What what have I been working towards? What is this all about? What is, yeah. I can't with the cold, <laughs> no, yeah. but That's basically me when there's, like, no overarching mm-hmm. plot. Well, yeah.
1: Like, this one, it it's more of just, like, a sitcom feel where it's the, each chapter is, like, just a, a random episode of the week. Um, and I've been enjoying it. Like, I, I read a chapter, like, every night. So now... I've, I've graduated from not wanting to read manga to just reading this particular manga.
0: Hey, you know, just get your feet wet. It's not that I've never read manga after um, those clamp manga. I, I think maybe once a year, at most frequent, I will read a manga. I think, was it last year? It was Jojo Part 6. Um, and then I think the year before that, I read some of The Devil's a Part-Timer manga. And then what am I reading or what what did I read this year? Um, I don't even know what am I. Oh, that Isaac or Isak one that we talked about when we talked about. Oh um, right. Uh, Fena, pirate princess. I like started reading that because I was like, what is this really about? It has Vinland Saga vibes. So I I kind of started that a little bit, but yeah, that's like the extent of my manga reading is once a year at most. I will dabble. Not even I don't I don't even know if I'll finish it, but I'll dabble in like one manga.
1: Yeah, why read when you can watch? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Even though, to be fair, our version of watching still has reading at the bottom yeah. of the screen.
1: <laughs> well, now, like, it, it's action. You don't have to create the action and l- sounds in your head.
0: I love those memes of, like, anime sub-watchers have, like, n- extremely fast eyes. Like, there's a meme of, like, a chick, right? And a guy's looking at her, but he's looking at both her, like, trying to look at her eyes, but he keeps looking at her boobs. It's like, this is what a, a, a an anime watcher who watches subbed feels like because you're like looking up and down like at the bottom of the screen to read the subtitle but you want to catch what's going on on screen so you're looking up again i'm like i can relate to that
1: (laughs) (laughs) we are well trained in that now
0: so speaking of subs really quick because i know this is like a hot like one of the hottest debates in the anime community and i i don't really know if it's something we want to get into um but i do want to touch on it extremely briefly subs to dubs and i'm not saying subs ver- versus dubs or dubs versus subs but your transition from dubs to subs um what was what was that like and i can start if, if you want but i'm just like i want to talk a little bit about that because we get introduced to stuff on adult swim for kids blah 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 and it's obviously all dubbed with no access on the internet to anything subbed um, i mentioned this in episode 63 but i actually thought for the longest time that dubs were just the original and only version of anime until i realized no actually there's japanese voice acting and the dubs come secondary to that for the Mm -hmm. local market and i was like wait there's other voice actors that do these characters like it's it's crazy to me or it was crazy to me at, at the time but what was that transition like for you like you know starting off in your anime world with dubs realizing that subs exist and then making that transition to subs because some people don't make that that transition they actually prefer the dubs and often stick to that
1: yeah so starting off with pokemon all we had back then was the dub right like (laughs) i i don't even think i've ventured into watching the actual sub version of pokemon even as an adult um but that's that's what we were used to because, you know, we were we grew up in the States. We watched things in English. Um, and I know looking back at it now, people have commented on the, the cultural nuances that English dubs don't pick up on. The one example from Pokemon everyone always goes back to is Brock talking about, eating the the jelly donuts the jelly donuts which oh now God. we know are onigiri
0: you know what i felt like, like a smart ass <laughs> kid when i disgu- i learned what an onigiri was and i someone confirmed to me that yes brock was eating onigiri he wasn't eating a jelly donut cuz i was like aha uh-huh. i knew as a kid that was not a jelly donut like some of my friends like didn't think twice about that they're like okay a jelly donut it looks a little bit weird but fine i was like that is not a fucking jelly donut there's something here that is very sus about that yeah. so <laughs> i was proud of myself that i like immediately was like nah, that's not a jelly donut and
1: yeah even looking at it you could tell like th- that that's not how a jelly donut looks in the states i was
0: like what is this triangle that he's holding <laughs> like this is not a jelly donut and it's not it, anything
1: <laughs> it led me to believe that you know once i found out this was uh, an anime it led me to believe that that's what the japanese eat as jelly donuts in japan um, so i guess that was one one of my encounters with like English dubs is that you don't always get the accuracy of, of the dub. Um, and then going to watching bleach, like I watched those first in the dub. Um, but I remember just watching like lip flaps and, you know, I think like, uh, dub voice actors do their best to match the lip flap. So it looks like the words are coming out naturally. Although I always think that, like they, they speed up their dialogue too much to the point where it, it starts to sound unnatural and I think that's what I had come across with watching those episodes of bleach on those DVDs is watching it with the English dub it's it kind of took you took me out of it because um, I couldn't really appreciate like listening to the dialogue while watching the action on screen um, and so I have a very weird story with anime but i've mentioned many times and yes i am still working on it um watching marmalade boy at a really random point <laughs> in my life and the eternal
0: watch through of marmalade <laughs> boy
1: <laughs> and i can't recall why i even began watching it i know like one of my sister's high school friends gave her like a like dvd box sets of the show every now and then because he he just wanted her to watch it for some reason. And so I like, she would watch it and I would be in the room and I would just end up watching it. But I think those DVDs only had the subbed version. So there was no, I know there's an English dub out there, but these particular DVDs, um, they had the subtitles, but the the Japanese voices and at first, obviously it was difficult because I wasn't used to that kind of, of entertainment watching. Um, but I think that's when I realized it, it was it was easier to appreciate anime in its truest form, which is the Japanese animation with the Japanese voice dub, because I I like that show is just over dramatic, um, because it, it's a romance anime, so you have like the female characters with their really squeaky voices um, overreacting. to to like certain romantic situations but you get more i feel like you get more of the raw emotion out of that and and again it comes out more naturally and like i said we we dropped that show at some point after her friend just stopped sending the dvds (laughs) over Um, you
0: literally couldn't watch it even if you wanted to
1: (laughs) yeah Um, so which is why i'm trying to finish it now i have again like 10 episodes left and my goal is to get it done before uh, January 1st, 2022. Just
0: binge it. Do, do what I do. Just <laughs> sit through it in one day. <laughs>
1: um, but I think that's what kind of piqued my interest into venturing more into the sub territory Again, because I wanted to experience these shows the way that they had originally aired. Um, there are very few exceptions to that, of course. First and foremost being Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo. I really love that dub as well. Um, but I think that's just a testament to the quality of the voice, act, voice acting in those shows um, where, it, like, the dialogue doesn't always sound so ham-fisted or, like, they're trying to match the lip flaps, like, aggressively.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like my transition from dubs to subs was more, like, of my own volition versus discovering subs. So, again, like, I... It wasn't until I saw a subs versus dubs debate. You know, again, the hottest debate in the anime community. It wasn't until I saw the subs versus dubs debate on some, like, anime forum back in the day that I realized, like, Japanese voice acting with subtitles actually existed out there. Um, But once I realized that you could watch stuff subbed, I I was so infatuated with Japanese culture and and wanting to be not like a purist, but just experience it in the way that it was originally intended, that I just chose to go with subs. Um, Even before I had really gotten a lot of exposure to subs or or really the Japanese language in in general. Um, So I feel like it wasn't me just like only having subs available and then just taking that and rolling with it. It was me just actively seeking out subs at the time. So yeah, I feel like maybe my transition was a little faster or – I wouldn't say like easier but like more um more intentional than maybe Mm -hmm. some some other people transitioning from dubs to subs but just to really quickly touch on it the reason i have a hard time watching dub and i'm not debating whether dubs or subs are, are better it's more just how i approach it the reason i have a hard time watching dubbed anime now is that you know one the quality is a bit lower Than, you know, the golden age of anime when you had, like, Steve Blum, John Young Bosch, Vic Mignogna. I mean, you think about, like, Inuyasha, Cowboy Bebop, Footy Kooty. I mean, there was some amazing dub out there. Like, Mm -hmm. consistently amazing dub. Um, But mostly because once I watch something in Japanese, I have, like, an emotional connection and identify the characters with their specific voices and sounds. So it's really strange to hear that same exact character in a different way. And it's it's like jolting to me like you you know those memes where where like a an anime watcher will accidentally play the dubbed version of a show and then you start (laughs) freaking out you start screaming like oh my god the dub is on turn it off turn it off like to me it's not like disgust as in like oh my god i hate dub it's more like oh my God, like, what am I hearing? Who's this imposter? Like, this isn't my Gintoki. This isn't my Aaron Yeager. This isn't my Inuyasha. Like, or, well, to be fair, Inuyasha was dubbed. But, like, this, <laughs> isn't, this isn't my, you know, XYZ character because I identified that specific voice actor, that specific seiyuu with that character. And to be fair, I feel the exact same in the reverse situation where if I hear, if I grew up on something dubbed or I watched it dubbed the first time and then I hear the subbed, I have the same jolting reaction where I'm like, oh my God, wait, this isn't my Spike Spiegel. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't my Inuyasha. Now now that, that <laughs> reference fits. Um, it, the shock may not be nearly as strong because I still enjoy hearing Japanese voice acting in general, but it's kind of like, I don't know, like it's, it's like a special connection with that character. Like it's when you, you ever get really put off when they change a character design for someone Remember like when attack on titan final season got announced and everyone was like whoa new character designs. Yeah. And it was kind of a mixed bag of emotions because you just you identify the visuals a specific way and seeing them literally drawn different is kind of I don't know, it's like conflicting at times.
1: Yeah. Although like in the term, in terms of attack on titan we just had to get used to it. But I I see the point that you're making. Yeah,
0: or like when a a voice actor is recast or, you know, God forbid, if a voice actor passes away and they have to bring in somebody else. Like, obviously, no harm to to the new voice actor, but it just feels different. It's not that same connection because, like, with Moroku from Inuyasha, like, you know, rest in peace, Kirby Morrow. That was terrible or not. It was was terrible and very, very sad that he passed away. But that's like such a distinct voice for Moroku. And I know the person who came in after him um, is a good friend of Kirby Morrow's or was a good friend. And he's doing the best that he can to to bring back that feel of Moroku, but it's just never going to hit the same. And that's not anyone's fault, but that's just the way that I approach subs versus dubs. Plus, I mean, do you feel like Japanese voice acting has more emotion behind it?
1: Yeah, but maybe I'm now starting to realize they're probably over-exaggerating it. I mean, yeah, they're (laughs) like way overdoing (laughs) it.
0: But I think it's also just the tone of English speaking is very different than the tone of Japanese
1: speaking. Yeah, I was going to mention... With you um, referencing that meme, it reminds me of the time where we watched the, was it the first? No, it was the second My Hero movie, and they played like the Funimation preview uh, right before the movie started, and it was All Might's English voice actor saying his lines, like plus ultra at a very climactic scene during the anime series, and we just all started freaking out.
0: Yeah, I started panicking because I booked the tickets for Confam, and I was like, oh shit, did I book the wrong one? <laughs> did I book the English showing and not the Japanese showing? I was mm-hmm. like, oh god, they're gonna be pissed at me. And so,
1: yeah, I was like, we, I think we we're all just gripping our, our seats in anticipation of hearing the first dialogue of the movie, and thankfully it was the right movie, it was the subbed version. Um, but yeah, I can kind of relate to and hearing all might's voice um in the america or the english dub it it doesn't feel as impactful as hearing i think it's kenta uh, kenta miyake who does um the japanese voice like there's i think the the approach of the english dub like he wants to sound more like how we in america view superhero voices but there's something about the way that um, kenta miyake uh, delivers All Might's uh, dialogue that, like, it just makes it so much more iconic in a different way.
0: And again, like, that's how you first experienced All Might, and that's what your brain registers with All Might. So I'm sure it's a bit of a shock to you when you hear somebody else playing that character, especially when it's in another language. And again, you can have two equally amazing voice actors one english one japanese playing the same character but whoever i hear first is who i'm going to have that emotional connection with Mm -hmm. that's who i'm going to identify with the character so again it's it's not a a debate of whether dubs or subs are better it's for me personally how did i experience it the first time how do i identify the character and hearing it any other way is just going to be weird to me and so for me it's like i was on that sub train and i stayed on that sub train forever (laughs)
1: And that's what's got me conflicted because in the future I do plan on watching Bleach. I know it's like 300 plus episodes, but um, it, it's just the completionist in me wanting to go back and watch the shows that I just kind of dropped when I was younger. But I'm wrestling with whether I would want to watch it dubbed as I originally had or watching it subbed because of the purest in me. And I remember asking our our friends from Confam, like, which version I should do. And, like, I think there was a toss-up between watching it dubbed or sub because they say both are are excellent in their own right. It's also
0: the nostalgia factor. Like, nostalgia is a powerful thing. And you've got that nostalgia of watching it originally in the dub. So Mm -hmm. it's like... That's going to be a big draw for you, as it is for me when I'm in those situations. Like, Yasha Hime is the continuation of the Inuyasha story, and, like, the main cast shows up at, you know, in certain parts, and I'm like, I'm hearing it in Japanese, and it it works, they sound great, but it's just not, it doesn't hit as hard, like, it just doesn't Mm -hmm. feel the same. It's kind of like when we travel. Um, to different countries, and then like we'll turn the TV on in like the hotel room or the Airbnb, and we'll see a US show is playing or a US cartoon is playing, but it's dubbed in the local language. And you're just like, Whoa, this is fucking weird! Like, I'm sure <laughs> these voice actors are good or decent, but like, this is weird. <laughs> like, watching SpongeBob in Tagalog was so fucking weird. Yeah, I was gonna to bring me. that
1: up. <laughs> when we went
0: to the Philippines, I was like, What the fuck?
1: <laughs> or you know what? Maybe I- I'll watch both versions of Bleach. Because you know, like you have the option for dub and sub in these streaming services. I'll just watch them both, like episode one. I will watch it in English, then in Japanese.
0: You know what? I'll do you one better. Let's get you a second TV, two TVs set up, <laughs> both playing at the same time, but one with the English, one with the Japanese. It's kind of like that that video someone put out when um, the last like watch this. I'm about to make a Star Wars reference. I think I know which one. Holy you're shit! Gonna... Brace yourselves, everyone. He, Carl's not making the Star Wars reference. I am this time. I know.
1: I think I know what your video. What video <laughs> it's you're that video about.
0: on YouTube where they're like they played all six uh, fucking movies of star wars at the same time on the same screen yeah, the
1: original on the prequels. yeah
0: because they were like trying to lead up like you know if you want to do a rewatch of star wars before <laughs> the force awakens comes out just watch this video and literally all six of them are playing simultaneously like there's six boxes in this you know screen and of course it's just like a bunch of noise because there's <laughs> sick, like dialogue and music from six movies playing at the same time and i was like that's fucking funny <laughs> yeah
1: maybe i'll do that with a bleach and I just not understand what is happening
0: <laughs> it's uh multitasking at its finest. While we're talking about, you know, watching stuff on Adult Swim. Adult Swim never played OPs. They they'd play EDs, but they never played OPs. So, I was like blown away when I discovered that there were all these great OPs out there for the the anime that I was watching, you know, specifically Inuyasha and Cowboy Bebop and all that stuff. (laughs) Of course, I don't think they played the Bebop opening. Like, that's the most atrocious thing.
1: (laughs) They did it. I
0: thought that they would skip it. I could be wrong, though, because there's no Japanese in it. Maybe they did play it. But, yeah, they didn't play the Inuyasha ones. They skipped those. They would only play the EDs. But, yeah, so then I discovered these amazing OPs for all the, you know, the various shows that um, were on Adult Swim. And I was like, holy shit, my world has just been opened up. And that led me into J-pop getting into J-pop as, like, a new anime fan. Um, So I feel like J-pop is very much a part of my anime origin story. And to this day, I love Utada. I love Dua's Infinity. You know, a lot of it was because of Dua's Infinity was because of their ties with Inuyasha. And my my sisters can tell you, I would, like, shut my bedroom door and blast, like, J-pop and i'm sure it annoyed everyone in the house like it would be quiet and suddenly you'd hear like bokutachi wa just wow. blaring through the house and my parents were very patient people <laughs> so they never really told me to like you know turn it down or whatever um, there was unless...
1: no swearing that they yeah they couldn't understand it. it so they're like well i don't
0: know it's just music let her enjoy it
1: it's not g unit at least
0: <laughs> um so yeah it was just it was interesting to to Find anime and then like start to dive into like manga and J pop. And a lot of weebs during that time had to torrent CDs on like LimeWire and shit to be able to listen to them. But I got really lucky because a local music store had a like an international section and I was able to get my hands on Japanese albums. And it didn't take long for me to become like a fucking, uh, you know, otaku or, or weeb by today's terms. Um, and I would spend hours looking up the japanese lyrics but i would look up the romaji which is the romanization of like the japanese language using the english alphabet so that i could accurately pronounce the lyrics since you know back then i couldn't read any japanese and i would read all of the lyric translations too just so i knew what the songs were about like nowadays i'll jam out to something like rain eye circulation or departure and i'm okay with not fully knowing what the songs are about but back then i was like such a fucking weeb that i was like i need to know every line of this song and i have to memorize every single word in japanese that i can sing along with it
1: i feel like i think i saw a meme out there too uh about japanese songs where you know we love singing them even though we don't understand the lyrics and so there's like a picture of, of someone enjoying like the singing par- portion, and then it says like the story, and it's like someone that's just very depressed. Yeah, or, like someone <laughs> yeah. getting
0: murdered or something, and you're just right. like jamming out to it, like, this is a great song. Yeah. But you sometimes look up the translations for, for songs, don't you?
1: Yeah, just so like I, I can understand what's happening in the lyrics and see if they work thematically with what's happening in the series. It's very far and few in between, but I'm starting to and I get back into or like do a little bit more research in that regard
0: that was everything for me and like recently Utada dropped that single and that prompted me to go on to Spotify and find like the Utada playlist that has all of the albums um, just in one go and I haven't listened to some of these albums in probably like eight to ten years and I know other people experience this too. It's like you listen to a song that you haven't listened to in literally years and all of the lyrics just come flooding back. It's like you've got it completely memorized the same as when you first you know started listening to it. And it was the same thing with these Utada songs. I was like, I remember all of the fucking lyrics. How do I remember them when I haven't touched these songs in so long? I, I, I think a lot of it is because of the emotional connection that I had to these J-pop songs back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of cool to be able to memorize those and still remember them nowadays, especially when they're in a different language.
1: <laughs> yeah. And to provide my tidbit on J-pop, I had a very different journey as as has been usual throughout this podcast of our anime origin stories. So watching uh, that live-action Train Man film, um, I discovered Orange Range because they sang the the ending, uh, like the credits uh, for that film, and then I found out later like they had also done the opening for the first um, first couple episodes of Bleach. Uh, so I kind of delved into uh, some of their music in that regard. But I, there's another way that I had gotten into J-pop. And that was through a show called Kappa Mikey.
0: Kappa Mikey had J-pop? I like barely know anything about Kappa Mikey. No. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let me explain. So Kappa Mikey, again, this is the, I feel like my story with anime is like, like the weirdest out there because it's kind of like I was floating around with anime stuff, but not really getting into it. So Kappa Mikey was a show on Nicktoons, which was like a, a branch of the Nickelodeon like s- series of channels. And it was about an American named Mikey, who's drawn in like the American cartoon style, almost like uh, Fairly Odd Parents* or Dexter's Laboratory. And he, he wins the sweepstakes to become a, a main character on a Japanese anime show. And so he flies over to Japan and he's kind of like this fish out of water and all the characters around him are drawn in anime style. And I believe, like, one of the characters is actually voiced by the English voice actor for Goku, um, which is very interesting. But, like, there are a lot of very small anime Easter egg references in there. Again, I didn't catch on, any, catch on to any of that, but I just loved watching the show um, because of its, its fish-out-of-water humor and just all-around slapstick humor. But the opening for that show was actually performed by... Beat Crusaders and I think there's a Bleach connection there because Beat Crusaders had done I think they had done an OP for um, Bleach as well but I was just so fascinated with the way that they had performed so Beat Crusaders for those who aren't familiar they usually sing their songs in English but it's a very broken english (laughs) and like the lyrics aren't like they're not they feel like fragmented english sentences but i just loved it because it was a very unique form of it's not j-pop it was more like rock music but that just led me down a rabbit hole of when did i think Capital mikey came out like around the 2000 earlier mid 2000s and that was like the the dawn of like iPods and MP3s. And so Zoons? <laughs> yeah, Zunes too. Um, so I was I would scour the internet finding MP3s of like Beat Crusader albums, and I got I remember on my iPod I had a Beat Crusaders playlist, um, and I would only get like a handful of songs because they didn't have like the full albums or. Know, I, I would get them off LimeWire, for, LimeWire. <laughs> and have to like dig really deep into that software and find them but yeah that that was my first foray into like J-pop and Japanese music which is an odd thing to really say um, now that I've been exposed to anime I think I, I almost listen exclusively to anime OPs and EDs now <laughs> um that's like the only spotify playlist that i i go to whenever we're driving anywhere i mean right now it's also mixed in with like a christmas playlist because of the holidays but yeah that, that's kind of my story with with japanese music
0: i love that you mentioned having to torrent the songs i mentioned this on our episode 63 but it's like when i for the longest time didn't know that um the real folk blues the ed for cowboy bebop was like a full-length song because Mm -hmm. the only version out there on LimeWire just like cut off the song towards the end when it kind of just has the instrumentals going. And no matter how many versions I download, it always cut off at the same point. So I thought maybe that's just how the song is. I mean, I don't know, maybe they're quirky like that. And then it wasn't until recently, like a few months ago, when you added the Real Folk Blues to the Spotify playlist, or maybe a little bit longer than a couple months ago, but somewhat recently, Um and you played the whole song for me and I'm like oh my god the song keeps going what Mm -hmm. the fuck it was mind blowing to me
1: (laughs) yeah it goes on for like another two minutes after yeah it's a long singing
0: it's a long ass trail at the end of it but it's it's a great song so I have to ask do your parents like care in any which way that you love anime like do they they just think it's like just a thing you enjoy watching do they Ever ask you about it? Do they even know that you love anime? (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's actually a good question. I think my parents are pretty hands off when it comes to like the hobbies that I get into. Uh, I mean, like they know now that I'm into Star Wars. They've bought me a lot of like Star Wars themed Christmas and birthday gifts um, over the recent years. Um, I feel like they don't really know much about my. Like getting into anime, um, and it's probably like again growing up, they really never did see me watch any anime. I was mostly into video games, so they knew of that. Um, they they know that we go to anime conventions, but I think that's just the extent of it. And you know, they don't they don't really care either way. I guess
0: interesting, because I was wondering like if they knew back in the day, you know, just like on theme with the origin story like when you were first getting into anime or whatever that that was whether you you know college time or whatever um if they had like a certain outlook on it because with my parents again like my parents are pretty chill about stuff like they they're open to letting us like gain experiences in life like when i wanted to become goth back in junior high my parents were like okay that's weird but sure if that's the phase you're in we'll we'll roll with it I guess (laughs) um so when I started to be like really into anime my parents were like chill about it um and I think part of that is because my dad grew up watching speed racer
1: that's the weirdest thing like when he first told me about dude (laughs) he loves
0: speed racer like we know how much he loves speed racer and we've gotten him like like tons of gifts that are Speed Racer themed, ah, but ooh, ah. yeah, we've gotten him like <laughs> like figures of the Mach Five or like figures of like the characters and everything. He's got him in his office, and my I think my mom watched a little bit of it too when when uh, she was also growing up, and that's not like an uncommon thing for my my dad. Again, my my parents in general are, are pretty supportive people; they're open minded people, and my dad used to watch SpongeBob with us, and to this day, his favorite episode is the Wormy episode.
1: <laughs> where they blow things out of proportion yeah <laughs>
0: he, he loves that episode he still talks about it to this day um so when i got into anime he would tell me about him watching speed racer as a kid that it was one of his favorite shows etc cetera, etc cetera. um and i think because he had that connection or at least had like a, a general basic understanding of anime he was like chill with Like he didn't really have a reaction to it because he was kind of like, okay, like I know what that is, and if it's like Speed Racer, it's safe, but you know, not not all anime is safe. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, not all anime is safe, uh, as we we talked about. And funny enough, my dad, like he knows the term anime, but my dad is kind of like not the greatest with with names and titles. Funny enough, neither am I. I think I get it from him. Like I can never remember names and titles. And so, for the longest time, he would call anime Yu Gi Oh!, which is a combination of Yu Gi Oh! and Pokemon, because that w- those were the only shows at the time, like growing up, that he knew I watched. And he wasn't making fun of it or anything. Like, he, again, he's, he's like me, he's bad at remembering names and titles. So he was just like, uh, the, that Yu Gi Oh! thing that you're watching. And so, again, it's just something that is always stuck. And to this day, he calls it Yu Gi Oh!. He, he knows what anime is, so he'll call it anime, but once in a while, he'll be like, is that a Yu Gi Oh! show? I'll be Every like, yes. time
1: he's says it like it just makes me
0: laugh <laughs> like yes dad it's a it's a Yu-Gi-Oh show <laughs> it's called anime dad for anyone it's who, called yugimon dad <laughs> for anyone who knows that that meme we mentioned it in episode 63 but if you're not familiar just google it's called anime dad and it's like one of the funniest images ever but similarly um i want to talk about it's it's related to this topic of family members in anime um i i learned about a lot of new anime outside of like again like the adult swim tsunami stuff um through youtube as i mentioned in episode 63 thanks to like amvs and a bridge series and all of that um and this is at the time like the internet was really accelerating and, and you know gaining more exposure to, to anime through the internet was more of a feasible thing and through that I unexpectedly got introduced to hentai (laughs) because of shit like, I don't know.
1: Bible Black?
0: Yes, exactly. Shit like Bible Black and other hentai, you know, unexpectedly popping up on YouTube and Newgrounds and when you torrent shit like off of LimeWire, as we've mentioned a couple times. And my mind was yet again blown when I realized not only is a lot of anime geared toward more mature audiences or demographics like Sanon and Jose, but there was also a large subset of anime that was literally just porn. I was like, no way. That's crazy. Like, what is this anime thing? And what am I getting myself into? <laughs> so to tie that into, you know, the what we just talked about with family members and anime.
1: <laughs> family and yeah, anti- I, This is, what?
0: This is a, a very interesting setup, right? But I have a funny story. So one time my sisters and I were sleeping over at my cousin's house. And my aunt knew that we liked watching anime or, of course, in her mind, Japanese cartoons. So she was upstairs in her room and we were downstairs in the living room. And their house was one of those houses where like the the living room had like the vaulted ceiling. So you could see like there was like a a banister and you could basically see up to the second floor where the bedrooms were, the hallway with the the bedroom doors Mm -hmm. and everything. And so her room was on the second floor and she kind of popped out and said, hey, turn the channel to blah, blah, blah. One of those Japanese cartoons that you like is on. So we do. And not too long into watching, the characters start fucking. (laughs) And I'm like, yo, they're getting naked and they're having sex. And apparently my aunt was still watching it or like still at least had it on her TV upstairs in her bedroom. Because suddenly, you know, as these characters are getting naked, we hear her scream from like the second floor. She's like, I'm the And she's like, freaking out and she leaves her bedroom and we can see her up on the second floor burst out of her room run like down the hall over to the stairs and bolt down to the living room while yelling turn it off turn it off and that's how my younger cousin probably got introduced to hentai i assume and i'm just sitting there like oh boy i'm not gonna say anything but uh yeah you just showed us some hentai unexpectedly unknowingly
1: it's hentai and it's art yeah
0: so um yeah very very awkward situation um and from that point on she was very wary about what cartoons we were watching you know like i promise you most anime is not hentai a lot of it is hentai but most of it's not
1: <laughs> what is it uh rule 34 yeah anything can be turned into a por- Basically. <laughs> sexual or, or something porn-esque i i didn't really experience any or have any experiences like that with hentai yeah you've never was... watched hentai <laughs> oh, okay yeah I, i'm the, the first memory i have of hentai you probably know that it was my my first time attending um anime central the big anime convention oh i forgot about this (laughs) yeah and you know like we had a couple drinks with with our friends and you know we were walking around the the convention area and they had one section that was dedicated solely to hentai viewing panels um, and they it,
0: were after hours too like yeah. starting at like 11 p.m. midnight when a lot of the kids weren't there anymore <laughs>
1: yeah and so you know we were we were like kind of litty and we just dis- we were fucking drunk <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the only way i could have sat through that it was a we yeah fucking drunk. and so
1: we decided to just sit in on one of these like viewings and i remember i i remember the title to this day it was the hills have sighs <laughs>
0: oh my god and it
1: was the most uncomfortable anime experience i've had <laughs> well it was fun though because you know you're in a room full of people and everyone's just laughing at how gross and how sexual and over the top yeah. it is. yeah um, like when
0: you when you say it's a hentai viewing panel like for those who haven't gone to anime conventions or have but haven't ventured into a hentai viewing panel like first of all this is not a regular thing that we do it's like we have to be fucking wasted and we just happen mm-hmm. to stumble pass it and we just jumped in and like it was it was fucking weird but it's not like a bunch of like creepy creepers sitting around wanting no, to beat yeah. Their meat to what's no on yeah no one's yeah no one's whipping their dick yeah out. they're not like <laughs> circle jerking or anything it's like literally just everyone like. sitting in a room probably mostly drunk watching this piece of hentai and just laughing at it like you said like how absurd it is or how bad the voice acting is or just the scenario just being over the top so it's more just like a bunch of people getting together and roasting the shit out of a hentai and yeah i i I could not watch what was on screen because it was just so weird and like also you're in a room full of people and i'm like what the fuck is happening but just the (laughs) energy and like hearing people like the the comments people would make or shout and just the 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 laughter happening in the room i actually did enjoy myself even if i was closing my eyes the whole time
1: yeah <laughs> so i had a pleasant first uh, hentai experience in that regard um, wow
0: so my first hentai exposure was bible black and yours was the hills have sucked yeah
1: <laughs> and um you know like i i'm not into that but to each their own, if, if that's something that you, you like, that, that, <laughs> that, that's cool too.
0: Yeah, to, to clarify, even though I would come across you know accidental downloads of Bible Black, because you know, people would, would troll on LimeWire, and they would label something like, I don't know, like the newest J-pop song that I was looking for. I would download it, and it would actually be a clip from Bible Black, and I'd be like, oh my god, I would delete that shit immediately, but it was just... That's how I learned that that hentai was out there and I was very young at the time. So at least your first legitimate exposure to hentai was when you were much
1: older in life. Yes, thankfully.
0: (laughs) So the last thing I want to touch on um, and, you know, I I think I I say this for last intentionally because to me, this is like one of the the things that connects me most to anime um, that's just, like, the anime community. For For me, the biggest game changer back then and what really solidified my quick transition from, like, Little Weeblit to full-on weeb was discovering that there are anime communities out there or that, in general, there's an anime fandom community. Like, when I stumbled upon a message board or a forum, however you preferred to call them back then. Um, and people were talking about things like Inuyasha and sharing new official art they found or talking about how hot Sanosuke was from Aroni Kenshin or the biggest debate of the time, who would win in a fight, Spike versus Vash. Whoa. I was I was immediately hooked. I I found these boards because I had first found boards for J-pop and cosplay. And I was like, shit, are there boards out there we can talk about anime? And of course... There were and to this day, one of the most powerful and important aspects of being an anime fan for me personally is being part of the community is being part of the fandom and feeling a part of something big and knowing there are others out there who love something as much as you do is a very powerful thing. It's a very awesome thing. And that's why I have been going to anime conventions for for 20 years now because the the community and just the energy being around a bunch of other weebs who just want to enjoy anime with you is a really cool feeling. And did you have that kind of experience in your your the start of your anime journey? Did you discover a community where you could talk to other people about it?
1: No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I was going to mention was um going back to that very first um anime central. I think that was the r- first time I experienced like the the camaraderie of the anime community. And I'll be honest, it was kind of intimidating. Yeah, right. Rig- oh, it-, Rigby, what's it-, was, it was scary. He's hungry. Like feed me. <laughs> um but it was intimidating because at that point, I hadn't really gotten into anime just yet until you later introduced me to a lot of a lot of the shows that I love now. Um, so I was just kind of wary that, you know, because I wasn't, I didn't really know a lot about the, the different shows that people were into, that it was gonna be an experience that I couldn't really connect with but i like i still found the community so welcoming and overall like just really hilarious like i don't even have to i don't have to know like references to anime but like i could understand like the hilarity behind them um, there's
0: something about weebs that i don't know, like they're so funny there yeah. are weebs out there that are just on it all the time like they're so witty and some of the best memes stem from weebs or like mm-hmm. are created by weebs so like you'll be on a subreddit you'll find a post you'll scroll through the com- scroll through the comments and you'll find like a hilarious comment but you'll immediately know like this guy's a weeb he's yeah just, he's definitely a weeb he's got that weeb humor that's it's, like just fantastic it's just and just point. yeah
1: always on point point. and but not only that i'll also give credit to weebs being very very intellectual and that's because big brain weebs. <laughs> especially like now with uh, with like reddit being like a huge forum and message board i guess platform um I, I i get an appreciation out of you know especially watching attack on titan like even this final season going on reddit and watching or reading these episode discussions and seeing what other like weaves like what they get out of certain episodes or how they analyze certain things and connect it to other episodes in the past like you can't discount like how big-brained these people are and i think that's what i really love about the community too is like the the hilarity of it but also just how much how passionate they are about the things that they're watching and to to the point where like you they can write research papers on
0: on why (laughs) bakuko is a great (laughs) Sunday. yeah
1: and that's also what's what's unique about anime is that i mean i don't know there's like you have fan clubs or whatever of like other shows out there like walking dead or even american cartoons but i don't know if they have as interesting or as detailed of discussions as those within the anime community
0: yeah there's some there's some in-depth conversations out there about various shows um and yeah i think it's it's the community and the love and passion for for anime that just draws me in and holds me close and caresses me at night. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you, fellow <laughs> anime weebs, for warming my heart. <laughs> and there you have it. Our anime origin stories. This was interesting. I feel like I learned a few things about you. Maybe you learned a few things about me. I don't know.
1: Yeah i mean, i think now everyone knows i've had quite a bizarre adventure with anime carl's oh, carl's, Jojo bizarre, reference. <laughs> carl's bizarre adventure but yeah I, I definitely learned a lot more about your story and and, and your hentai experience
0: oh my god, my poor aunt <laughs> <laughs> she probably like just hates that to this day um but yeah this is this has been a really fun conversation and I love hearing about everyone's unique anime journey because I feel like, especially when it comes to gateway anime, everyone has a different gateway anime. Like, there, there's always going to be that specific anime that, that hits different and just sucks you into the world of anime. And I don't know, I, just, I really enjoy hearing those stories. So if any of you out there want to share with us your anime origin story, how you discovered or got into anime, please reach out to us. It would be awesome to, to hear that. And, you know, I think...
1: Hear your hentai experiences. Yeah, hear your (laughs) hentai
0: experiences. Please let us know we're not the only ones who accidentally watched hentai or had weird experiences with hentai. But yeah, please reach out to us. We would love to hear about your origin stories. And on that note, thank you so, so much, as always, for joining us for yet another episode of Strictly Anime. We appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. Your continued support is just phenomenal for us. And if you like the show and enjoy our discussions each week, please share our podcast with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way we can connect with new listeners, new weebs and spread awareness about both strictly anime and strictly Jojo. So it would help us out so, so much if you could recommend us to one of your friends who likes anime and likes podcasts. And with all of that, That wraps up episode 65 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on the anime we review and to share your anime origin stories or your hentai origin stories. I don't know, whatever you want to share, let us know. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where we are currently doing our Stone Ocean review series. Thank you so much for listening and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. And I don't know, like, did you have that kind of experience in your your origin story in your in your early journey where you kind of tapped into the anime community? You're you're about to smile. What's, why what are you thinking about? What's so funny?
1: No, I have to pee.
0: Oh <laughs> Go pee then. You've been drinking coffee. <laughs>